Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, DM Neil, aka Joke Maniac, and today we have another special Christmas episode, a very DMB Christmas, and this is our fifth time having a Christmas episode, and per tradition, we tackle the 12 questions of Christmas. And this time around, DM Celeste is with us. So rather than take any more of your time, let's jump straight in to those 12 questions. And let's head to the meat. Today we're making USDA Prime Dry Age Rib Roast, the king of all roasts. The marbling is very important. This makes it tender as butter. So today on The Meat, as you already know, we are going to tackle the 12 questions of Christmas as we have done for how many years now? Ooh, good question. Three? Three? Four? Four? Yeah. Something yeah, like definitely that. four. Yeah. <laughs> two. Plus has got at least more than five two. under her belt. <laughs> yes. I was always there in spirit. The Christmas ghost. <laughs> Christmas spirit. Yes. <laughs> yes. Perfect. So we're just going to jump right into it. Question number one. What was your favorite episode from the Dungeon Masters block or Diamnastics in 2018? Celeste. Okay. Oh, it's me starting off. Okay. So I have to say my favorite, I mean, uh, I get the wonderful experience of being in all these uh, Diamnastics episodes, but my definite favorite was number 154, uh, which was uh, World Building Map Changes Over Time with Devin Rue, who is mm. a personal hero of mine. And uh, so getting to hang out with her and talk and like riff with her about map changes was so cool. And then that's also just such an interesting topic that it's so specific, like taking the maps in your world and how important they are in the game, that getting to experience that was like hands down my favorite. That whole experience was the classic kind of like she knows so, so much, much that she feels like yeah. she doesn't know like how to be helpful. And it's it was literally just like blowing my mind, like how people <laughs> view maps, what you should do with maps. And it was just like, no, this is no, just do this. I, I, I don't know. Just keep doing what you're doing because you're right. amazing. Like she was yeah, dropping so. things about like soil erosion and like changing <laughs> maps. And I'm like. What? This is amazing. Uh, and yeah. Devin is the coolest. There's no one better to talk to about creating maps for your homebrew world. Yeah, yep. she oh can. God. And like for Absolutely. the amateur, for somebody who's been doing it for a long time, she's someone who can just give inspiration and advice. And man, you can just soak up so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and she's so friendly and approachable too. So. Well, I will steal your inspiration and advice statement, Mitch, and I will take this question because it is number 163 creation and inspiration eight because it was the top fives mm. so it had four of us throwing ideas out there that was mm. a lot of fun because as fun as the top tens are getting two additional people to kind of like riff off of you and the culmination of like trying to merge all our stories together which is just pure insanity because our ideas were even more insane but that was my personal favorite with the people from detentions and dragons that was a fantastic one they had some great ideas and some hilarious ones which some of the hilarious oh, yeah. ones are always the best out of all of them but mitch it leaves it to you what is your favorite episode man we had so many good ones this year but if i had to pick one uh it was between two but i saved one of them for the next question because the next question it really ties into so the one that i chose was 153 raw real monsters 
homunculus with Sydney Shields. That episode yeah. was one so fun to research about homunculus in D&D lore and real world lore and mythology and just and it was also frightening in the disgusting <laughs> weird like yes. lore that we had to like look up but man it was fun to talk about the homunculus and create like our own ideas of how to use them in campaigns and still to this day I am looking back at that episode going I still want to make a campaign where all the players are homunculus and play in that because I feel like that would be one of the best times ever. Ooh, that'd be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. Well, and I think with that one, like we had found such a kindred spirit. I think what it was the Rick and Morty reference oh, and like yeah. another one within the first two minutes of talking to her. And it was just like, oh, this is good. We're good. This is going to be magical for each and every one of us. So... Mitch, though, you said it. you had another episode that you saved. So question number two for you, what was your favorite off-air moment in 2018? By far, hands down, it's not a specific moment, but it's a series of moments. From episode 165, Fountain of Youth, where we got to have Sam and Birdie from the Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters. There's so Ooh. much that didn't make it into that episode for a number of reasons. But my goodness, it was a whole different episode sitting down with those two girls and being able to ask them questions about D&D, DMing, and just all the other topics that came up. But having the time to sit down with Sam and Birdie and talk to them was just, it was so much fun. Neil, you can you can attest to how oh, much yeah. fun. and. How how many times we genuinely like laughed during that episode and off air from that episode as well. That was yeah, it was insane in the best way possible. I think it took us about 30 minutes to get ready to record because <laughs> there was oh, just yeah. so much going on, but it was fantastic. Uh, and also we let them take over our Twitter for a weekend, That's which true. was just I as magical. That also all day. It was so magical. <laughs> so magical. All right, Celeste. Your favorite off-air moment in 2018. Okay, I think I, this is sort of a selfish one, but the first time I was on DM Nasty, or, uh, DM's Block, which was uh, the, the Gond Inspiration episode, and mm. Neil told me what we were doing, and then I, I ran upstairs and opened up all my old boxes of AD&D books, and then I was just pouring through them <laughs> yes. all, like, for all of the old, mm-hmm. like, Gond references. I'm like, oh, and Redbox, I'm like, I'm like, wherever, deities and demigods, let's go. Uh, so that was very, very exciting because any chance I get to to go back to the archives to really like go deep lore mode uh, was so is so fun. So that was definitely my favorite uh, off air moment. But I am new, so I'm looking forward to having a lot more of these off air moments uh, to talk about next. I time. remember that. <laughs> I remember like the episode being recorded. I remember you tweeting out photos of the books next to you as you, it was fantastic. Oh yeah. Celeste is doing her research. That's for sure. Oh, man. Yeah. Yep. It made my heart light up and I was like tripping over my feet to go to my, to my old books. She's, she was not messing around. Okay. So as selfish as you said, yours was mine is exponentially. So oh, I don't feel so bad. Uh, no, you're not going to feel bad. Um, so Rich Howard and I were in Burbank for Whelmed, and a friend of his lives near there. And we said, hey, come come out to dinner. We're in the area. The friend says, I can't. How about you come to Pasadena Community College and be guest speakers in my RPG class? Hmm. 
hmm. or game design class. Hmm. And he changed that night to be more about RPGs. So Rich and I were guest speakers at his at his class. And so it's a class of about 30. And, you know, and that was a really fun experience. At the end, though, one of the students comes up and he says, like, hey, I love listening to all your stuff. Is it cool if I get a picture with you guys? Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> so, like, they had they recognized Rich and I from the stuff that we do here, like, right now. And they came and, like, yeah, took a picture with us. And, like, I followed them on Instagram and all kinds of stuff. So that was Warm it. I'm so simultaneously, yeah happy for you and super super jealous at the same time because <laughs> yeah. you've had number uh, like a number of experiences yeah. like that where you've run into our listeners in the wild as you'd <laughs> yes. say like and i am i've still yet to i've met people at cons but man you've had these fantastic experiences i'm super happy for you and jealous <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the well, beard people I, see it a mile away it, it, it yeah. is the beard <laughs> true that's that's all you need celeste <laughs> No, I'm just <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I'll glue one on at, right after this. Yeah. I oh, you will be recognizable <laughs> for sure. Okay, so I'm going to go back to Mitch. What was your favorite moment out of your own campaign in 2018? So, Neil, this one. So, okay, I I cheated a little. It's not from my own campaign. Uh, this oh, no. is from a game that, Neil, you ran on... Marco Polo, a video, it's pretty much a walkie-talkie mm-hmm. app, except it's video. Yep. So you send videos back and forth to each other. And we've been playing a lot of D&D on that this year. But, Neil, you were running a game for me and a couple other people. And I got to play, uh, you allowed oh, me yes. to play an Etten in this campaign. <laughs> and if you know what an Etten is, it has two heads. And so I was able to play both of these heads as this one character, and I would constantly be just talking back and forth using the Marco Polo app to change my voice from both heads. And it was just, there's not a specific moment. The whole entire time I got to play this Etten character was just super, super fun. I had a great time having you be the DM for that, Neil. It was just fantastic. Yes, it was memorable because I do remember that it was Torbjorn Vjorbjorn yep. was oh the Etten's name. So, like, immediately I know the names. Yeah, yeah. with the uh, the voice changing, making my voice deeper to sound more giant-ish mm-hmm. and saying, yep. Torbjorn Vjorbjorn. And it was just like, we had this back and forth of the other PCs going like, what is it? What is your name? And I don't know if they ever got it right, but it was great. <laughs> yep. That's fantastic. That's, that's awesome. Celeste. Your favorite moment in your own campaign in 2018? Oh, this is very hard. Uh, so some of you might know me from uh, Venture Maidens, a podcast, another mm. actual play podcast out in the world. And I mean, we, we, uh, we, there's so many good moments, <laughs> you guys. It's so hard. I, people always ask me this question and then I panic. Uh, but I think, I think my favorite moments are uh, one of the benefits of running a campaign that everybody in the world gets to see. Um, is that not only do your players react to things extremely, but all of your listeners also react to things extremely. So I had a couple plot twists this this season in particular that really like caused the whole fandom to rise up and and hate me collectively <laughs> as a dungeon master. And then those yeah. those I think are the best moments when everybody's like, "What did you do?" Uh, you know, when you're getting direct tweets and like messages on Discord when people are like, "What's happening?" 
happening? How could you do this? Um, I won't give away those moments, but um, those are my favorite when everybody comes together and it's just those those big DM like, what? moments so nothing That's specific awesome. but yes. we had a couple of good ones for 2018 that i'm really proud of which is pretty funny because that's kind of where mine comes from because the Undermountain oh game that you and yes. I are in over on uh, Don't Split the Podcast Network. I mean, most of our listeners probably know it started as this random one shot and I just kind of just assumed nothing would come of it more than that and that would be fun. That would be done. <laughs> um, and Yeah, because I definitely allowed maybe more than I would have had I known that it was going to go for much longer. But (laughs) No, no, no. We love our high powers. Don't worry. Yeah. So (laughs) then trying to figure out like what that looks like and creating an arc out of what was a one shot and taking an NPC that was pretty much a meaningless dead kobold (laughs) and turning it into a true ancient dragon that had been pulling the strings the entire time and dropping that bomb. And then dropping the bomb that now the party is tasked with killing a god so that the dragon can take its powers. Yeah, that was the blind side of of the century. That was was amazing. I think I cried. (laughs) Their their reaction and, you know, the same as like the people in the chat was just like, yep, I did it. Okay, moving on. Oh, those are such those proud DM baby moments Mm -hmm. when you're like, yes. It's in the world now. Yes, it is a great feeling. Mm -hmm. So, Mitch. Number four, what was the coolest RPG item in or out of game you received during 2018? I'm going to go out of game, like real item from the real world that I received for, for games. And I got a lot this year. I, I, I added to my collection quite a bit. If I had to choose one is the Big Book of Battle Maps by Loke Battle Maps. And it is just phenomenal. It's their dry erase. It's literally a book that you open up and you can put it down on the table, and it's wonderful for if you're DMing on the go. I DM'd a game for a couple of high schoolers that I know recently, and I went to their school, and I just brought this thing of battle maps. Easy transportation, threw it down. Neil was there with me. It was fantastic. And it's just, it has 58 battle maps in this little book that you can open up. You've got lava scenes, you've got town scenes, you've got dungeon scenes, and it's, it's an amazing, amazing tool for any dungeon master who's leaving the comfort of their own home. I would highly recommend it. Yeah, it's, wow. it's perfect, especially for con games because they, I mean, well, I don't know. Yes, for it's con hard games, to tell. it's great, would, yeah. Well, no, I just I was going to say like, oh, because you don't know what they're going to do, as if I know what my players are going to do at my <laughs> yeah, house. Right? Like, I don't, <laughs> no one ever knows. Yeah. Once again, you've but got I, 58 maps to yeah. choose from. That's why you so, need them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. The floor can be lava. It's okay. Yes. Yep. So I had two. Um, I could not decide, so I will break the rules and go Ooh. with two. Um, oh, come on. Yeah. I'm sorry. But I received the special edition of the Creature Codex um, mm. from Kickstarter. And so it's got like this gold inlay skull on the front. And Ooh. it's just, I mean, as much as I already use the Tome of Beasts, I assume that the Creature Codex will start, you know, being as used the other is that i did buy the holiday set of the special covers of the core rule books so the hydro 74 covers because i already have all the other ones which allowed me to gift my previous core set of books to one of my players because he didn't um, his dad him and his dad didn't have the three books so i was like here these are yours 
And so that's awesome. We're getting oh, all the, the feels. Spirit. Yeah, all the feels <laughs> in this Christmas episode. Boom. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I'm going to, uh, I guess I'm going to be the only one who talks about an item I got in game. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah, so I play over in a, a Rise of Tiamat game over on the Nerd Immersion channel every alternating Mondays. And I play a bard in that game. And this is really fun. This is the longest campaign I've ever played as a player character since I'm always DMing consistently. So my DM went ahead and built me a custom bardic instrument. Uh, basically, my my character's father came back and they've been estranged for a really long time. And he handed this loot over. And uh, my DM really knows, uh, Ted, thank you, uh, my music inclination. So it was called James's Loot. And then all of the spells and everything on there were Metallica references. So you have like Fade to Black to cast Darkness and like Battery to cast Haste on everybody. Uh, And so like, yeah, nothing else matters. He can destroy. So I was like, oh my gosh, the fact that like the amount of care and detail he put into changing all these things on D&D Beyond for me and how custom it was to my character and me as a person, that just like blew my mind. Uh, So stellar item there i i definitely cried that time and you're that's you're so coming good. from the player's <laughs> side but that's an amazing like thing for us with the dungeon masters block to go look your dm like showed how much he appreciated your character and you as a player in doing that and the payoff yeah. for you was just it was it was amazing yeah yeah, so that was a stellar DM moment, so I wanted to, yeah, shout that out. That was the best uh, in-game gift I got, uh, definitely, this <laughs> oh, year. Oh, it's so good, especially with, what, 30-plus years of albums that are out mm. now? I mean, yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> that's so good. Okay. Yes. Uh, I don't know how we're, I think we should just cut it there. I don't think we can follow that. <laughs> nope, I'm kidding. Question number five. What 2018 movie was the most inspirational for your D&D campaign? And I'll go ahead and go first with Sherlock Gnomes. I'm mm. lying. Um, <laughs> so I, that was actually me looking up the list of movies that came out and saying that's the funniest one. But I will actually go with Black Panther uh, because it was a really interesting way to see tech integrated into a world in that, you know, in the same way that you would look at, you know, and then you look back to Thor technology and magic. The only difference is your interpretation basically. So the, like this world that could be a D&D world, but then this technology that acts as magic and really cool ways to integrate things into your game. So Celeste, which movie was the most inspirational for you? I'm going to throw you a curveball and not do a movie, uh, but I'm going to do a show. So much rule breaking in this episode. Breaking the rules. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to go with the the revamp of She-Ra that just Mm. came out uh, recently. So I've, yeah, I've just, I I watched it because I, you know, I watched the original She-Ra and (laughs) He-Man, loved them, absolutely. Uh, And then I was, yeah, tuning into this and I'm like, this is just such a great example of not only pacing, but also working with a a bunch of different personalities Mm. and these short kind of bite-sized, really digestible episodes um, that, you know, do have... The messages, everything brought in there. But it, it's just a really good example of like pacing and interesting things to bring to the game. So that's really kind of spice up, not so much for Venture Maidens, but for a lot of my other campaigns uh, about structure and just really admiring how that is all put together. So I'm going to go with She-Ra. So check it out. Uh, Netflix original, yep. I think. So uh, get, get, get over there. Get in on that action. <laughs> This nice. episode is sponsored by Netflix. <laughs> oh man, that's okay. <laughs> I mean, we'll we'll take it yep. if you want it. Netflix, Netflix, but. if you're listening. 
<laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> yep. Mitch. I was split between two. Uh, so really quickly, the more obvious answer is one of my favorite movies from the year, Annihilation. I think that whole entire mm-hmm. movie is, and it's it's phenomenal, and it's just got a lot of inspiration. You can base a whole campaign off of it, and specifically there's a, uh, a creature in it that I even based a monster off of in my D&D world. But I'm going to go with the less obvious one, and I'm going to say Christopher Robin. So, in the Christopher Robin movie, we know Christopher Robin is an adult, and all his childhood friends, Pooh, Piglet, they all come and they help him through these adult problems that he has. That just sounds weird. They help him, as an adult, kind of get his life back on... Oh, bother my taxes. (laughs) Get his life back on track. But I thought that would be amazing to play in a campaign where maybe you have one... PC one player who is some sort of person in a Dungeons and Dragons world, but the rest of the PCs are stuffed animals or imaginary friends from his childhood that come to help them with whatever quest that they are going on. I thought that would be super fun to one role play an adventure where you are a teddy bear or you're with a teddy bear or an imaginary friend or something. That would be just phenomenal adventure in my mind there's your homunculus oh there you go <laughs> yeah homunculus, homunculus aren't bear. as cute but <laughs> <laughs> no they're your not teddy bear made of <laughs> snot no it's not bear my <laughs> best friend oh well okay with that <laughs> question number six what was the greatest lesson from rpgs that you learned over the past year i will go ahead and take that one. And it was the game you had mentioned, Mitch, where we went to a high school. We mm-hmm. had f- five high school boys, mm-hmm. and I risked a method I have used before, but I think it proved that it <laughs> works really well. Yes. Basically, I ask every person to write down three to five things that they would like to see in the next game. I will. Pr- I basically promise that I'll use at least one from every person, but then whatever works from there, because you know, and you'll easily have ones that contradict on their own sheet, nonetheless, ones that won't work with others. But I think it ended up working very well, and it seemed like they had a really good time. So uh, that could be a tactic, especially at a con game or even at your home game, because I've done that with the Undermountain game as well, uh, because it gives you a good gauge of the expectations of the players and a feel of where ev- the other players are at. Like, oh, okay, this is a guy who's clearly going to make jokes. This is the person who's very invested in a rich story. Like, so yeah, that's the method. It was phenomenal. I had not seen that method used before, and I uh, walked away from that going, "Man, this is something that I want to use more." And you're right. Like one of the one of the sheets we got, all three, we kind of looked at each other and we were like, "Well, these are all ridiculous. So let's see what we can do <laughs> with this." And it it made the game, especially with a bunch of high schoolers, just really enjoyable and fun, and we laughed a lot. Hmm. All right, Celeste. Okay, I think my lesson this year is about the RPG community and how approachable and lovely people are. I think like since since starting a a show and getting into the world of podcasting, I think, you know, we all come from that sort of shy book background, so it's really hard sometimes to reach out uh, to other people or we you know we measure ourselves by other people, but I just have gotten 
I mean, invited to play in so many games and, and run games for other people. And it's always like at the end of the day, if you all sit around the table and you want to play a great game, most of the time you're, you're going to like everybody just plugs right into that that world of playing with each other. And like the role playing community is so strong and cool. Uh, so, yeah, asking asking to play games with people and just uh, getting to enjoy everybody else uh, in the community, I think, is my big lesson of 2018. Well, there you go. That's awesome. Well, yeah. And I think the people who, because I would not consider myself like too reserved, but then you still like convince yourself with imposter syndrome and all that yeah. other stuff. You're like, and, oh, I, they won't want to play with me, or I, why should I email them? Yeah. Like, uh, like they're they're too cool. They're too cool. <laughs> Most of the time, you know, they they think the exact same thing. So yep. it's well, I, know, I think that was out. the yeah. tomb of the tomb of annihilation, and it was Matt Mercer who, I mean as one person who is at the pinnacle of being a dungeon master basically said about it afterwards. He's like, this is the largest gathering of imposter syndrome I have ever seen because every, I mean like yeah. everyone basically has that same feeling and you know, like crit, crit roll has billboards in LA and a hundred thousand people tuned in to the start of the second season and they have their own studio now, but he still feels that way. So mm-hmm. uh, feel that way, I don't know. So. If, I don't know if yeah. that's helpful or, but hopefully it is. So just reach out. Yep. Yeah. Mitch, what was the greatest lesson from RPGs over the past year? So this, I mean, this is not a lesson that is new by any means for myself, but it's something that just over this past year with the specific campaigns that I've run and maybe just the groups that I've, I've played in with the high school group being a, a certainly a, a group to add into this. I just find myself more and more over this past year. I feel like I've really, really more and more been learning that when I'm running a game and every group is different and every player is different. So it might not be something that every DM decides to do, but I've just learned to hand wave rules a lot more specifically rules that just maybe you take a second and step back from them and go, is this adding fun to the game? And if it's not just be like, eh, whatever. And especially when it comes down to, I don't run XP in a way I do the milestone XP. Now I haven't run XP in the sense of like, well, let's do the math and break down challenge ratings and who have they beat this game. And I don't do that anymore. So it's really easy to even hand wave battle when you're traveling and be like oh and you guys fought a bunch of orcs on the road tell me tell me how that went because they're not getting xp from that they're getting xp from the milestone so why do you need to bog it down with these things that maybe aren't progressing the story or the players aren't having a really great time with and just hand waving those little things that really aren't that big of a deal as rules yeah Always, always a good policy. I just, yeah, max fun. That's the best yeah. and only rule you need. All right. Number seven. What other great RPGs did you play in 2018? Mitch, we'll go back to you. Uh, so the one that I have to 100% give a shout out to is at a Catacon this year, we got to sit down with our webmaster and season two of Geek Wars judge Ryan Bolter. And he ran for us a game in his... RPG game that he's created of Chimera. Yes. And it was, first of all, the game itself was fun. Neil, you were there. We had Matt from Detentions and Dragons. We had Paladin Caleb there. And we had Danny Neary. And it was just a fantastic game and a fantastic play group. 
But Ryan has created this system that if you ever are at a convention and get to play with him, or once he starts putting it out for everybody to play, you've got to try this out. And I was really just blown away by the fact that like it's called Chimera, and it's supposed to be this mashup of different types of genres. And even the player sheet really reflected that whole feel for the game. It was it was phenomenal. Ryan, great job. Well, I feel like I'm forced to piggyback off of that. <laughs> and mainly because that was one of mine. And I think a catacomb is a really big place for myself. And, and I know you, Mitch, as well, to not play Dungeons & Dragons mm. because that's kind of what I do all, all the, time the time anyways. So <laughs> Chimera, definitely, but also to see its development and what it is now opposed to what it was a year ago. And then speaking to that, I, I played in a game with a person. I don't know how much I was supposed to say. So I played in a game <laughs> that was also in like a true alpha test version. Mm. Basically it had been played the day before and the character sheets had like pin marks of things crossed out things. Just to clarify, in. this and is not Chimera that we're talking about. This is a different, game. this is not Chimera. This is, this is something else. And seeing the development of testing it out in different scenarios and how it would work in very specific settings, very open settings, things like that. So uh, that was a lot of fun to be in that process. And then something that was just on Kickstarter was die laughing. And that was, I was going to say that. (laughs) Okay. Well then that'll, I will leave it at that and we can go straight to Celeste. Mm. Okay. Okay. Well, sorry to repeat on that, but yeah. (laughs) I definitely wanted to shout out, uh, yeah, uh, over at Nerdburger Games, uh, my friend Craig Campbell, he has been killing it with all these games he's been mm. making this year. So Die Laughing is an is his newest one that just came out. And the basic premise of the game is you sit around. It's a, It doesn't have a GM or anything. You sit down with your friends and you create a, like a really bad B-horror movie. And the point is that everybody dies by the end of the game, except maybe one person. But it's all about making your death as hilarious and like cheesy as possible uh so that game was so fun uh yeah I, we got to play with with craig over on don't split the podcast network and it was just uh, it was a blast yeah. and on top of that another great game that he made is capers yep which is set yeah in the 1920s 1930s except like so very like gangster uh heavy but you all have like superpowers or it's just this really cool system and my favorite thing about it is that it uses a deck of cards uh, instead of dice or anything. So flipping cards is how you determine, uh, yeah, those attack rules and everything. So those are just two phenomenal RPG games that I got to play. So yeah, check out Nerdburger Games. Talk to Craig on Twitter. Yep. Great guy, makes amazing games. And it's great that we've all played these games. I got to say, Die Laughing, it's one of the most brilliant parts about it, man, is that personally as a player, I found it more fun when my character had died because you become a producer (laughs) for the movie and you get to kind of help GM the game. And it is, it's, it's a blast. It's a great time. Yeah. The mechanics behind it are just basically a dice pool that also represents your health pool. And in the first game I played, uh, cause I played the second one with Mitch, but in the first one, because of just how the dice had lined up and the mechanics, four out of the five people playing died in one scene. And then it was (laughs) basically over there, over at that point, it was done and done. And so that was absolutely amazing. Um, wait, so that means we all went. Yes. yes. So question number eight, what classic Christmas story or element would you like to see in a D&D game? Mitch, 
I'll go back to you. All right, so a little bit of a shout-out here for our Patreon. I have created a monster based off of this for our Patreon Dragons Golden Up this week. And let me see if I can get this correct. This is the the Yolas Veneer. I think that's how you would say it. But this is this troll from mythology. And these trolls are ones that bring gifts in mythology. But I've created this troll that they can either be chaotic neutral or they can be chaotic good. And they will travel in little groups And depending on who the leader is, whether they're chaotic neutral or chaotic good, they will either go from stealing presence or delivering presence. And so I've created this monster based off of this mythology that now, if you are a gold Patreon dragon, then you can go and check it out. And I think it'd just be a fantastic little monster to add in to any Christmassy style game. I like it. Well, now I got to go check it out. And I can. You can. Because <laughs> I can <laughs> log directly into the Patreon. <laughs> All right, with that, Celeste, what do you got? Yeah, so I guess uh, gift giving is sort of the theme of mine as well. I love when player characters have to give other player characters mm. gifts. Like in-game, because it, it does create that sort of bond yeah. where you have to think as your character what you would give to another player character. It, it really does explore... Uh, yeah, character interaction and like party interaction. So that's always a super fun scenario I love to set up in my games. So I, I do love having holiday episodes in games where everybody gets each other gifts. Uh, I think that's oh. a really cool and interesting way to to explore uh, party relationships. So that's something I always like to encourage with, with the Christmas spirit. And it's something that can be constantly bringing back that player character connection. Like especially if it's something that can be used further down the line or if it's a weapon that can be used or something like every time it's being used that that gift giving yep. is being reminded yeah, that bond yep. is strengthened exactly. again yeah i don't know why that also reminded me if you're not doing a gift exchange at your rpg table what are you doing Get <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> It's just so much fun because basically it's one of the few scenarios where like you have such a focused group that Mm -hmm. like anything anyone buys that you're like, I wouldn't mind taking that home. Then probably everyone else would want it. Yeah, I'm not going to rant about how dumb my work one is. Um, (laughs) But instead, I will talk about a book that I found because I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to add. So by the power of the Internet, I found something amazing and I will definitely be working it into any Christmas related thing and that is Letters from Father Christmas by none other than J.R.R. Tolkien and it's basically a collection of letters that he wrote acting as if he were Santa to his kids and so the book itself has like the handwritten notes and like he writes it in this like shaky shaky penmanship because he's like i'm like 1900 years old and then he writes some other ones as the great polar bear of the north pole and santa's kind of complaining in one story about how the polar bear tried to get on the roof but fell through (laughs) then he's complaining about another scenario where like all the goblins came and took the presents and the things he has to do and then there's the elves involved in some of the stories and so it is uh, it's just a really good set of things by you know, an author that is beloved by countless people. Um, so yeah, definitely check out Letters from Father Christmas. And it was the right nice price of $4 when I bought it on Kindle. So Yeah, can we just all for some Christmas magic imagine what having Tolkien as your dad would have been like? Yeah. Magic. 
the let well and there's art on some of them as well and then he like so for the for the polar bear like the script is super thick and he's like yeah basically like yeah i'm a big old polar bear so of course this is how i write (laughs) and just like that you know like you said like just that rich tapestry that of course he would weave into anything he ever does okay so question number nine what was your favorite monster that you got to run in 2018 Celeste. Okay, so my favorite monster I got to ran this year was actually uh, it was the Doolahan from Cobalt mm. Press's Tome of Beasts, um, and one of in it's this really creepy like headless horseman inspired fey monstrosity. It's got it's got all these horrible powers like it can call the doom and reduce a PC to like zero hit points, all this stuff. But my favorite thing about it was that I was talking to to Dan Dillon who actually wrote the monster in the book, and I was like, oh, I need a big I need a big bad monster for this fight and venture. Maiden's like, do you have any ideas what? He's like, oh, yeah. And he sends me all these lists of things he wrote and he was so excited about and asking questions, and trying to tailor a monster this scenario. Uh, so that's how I found the duel of hand that he was just so excited and wanted to, like, make this really hard fight for the Venture Maiden. So that was my favorite because of the friendship. And it's also mm. a, a terrifying monster. Highly recommend uh, any any of the Fae from Tome of Beasts. Uh, Dan had a hand in making and they're all awful and wonderful to put in your games. They they are that, and I feel a little compelled then. I had no idea that that story even existed, which makes it even funnier when I talk about using the Fey Lords from the Tome of Beasts <laughs> that Dan Dillon wrote, because I didn't know that Dan Dillon wrote them, and I was using them against Dan Dillon. Yes. <laughs> and so he was so excited and terrified to have these monsters used against him that he had wrought by his own hand, if you will. Yes. Yeah, um, you just saw his face drop and he goes, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> what have a I sudden done? realization. Yep. And so that was that was a wonderful experience because Dan is an absolutely amazing designer. But to get to use him against him was really good. And I'm not going to lie. I did a way more research the second time I used one because the first time I did not do as much. There's just so many complexities. Mm. And yeah. you're like, wow, this could have gone even worse. Yep. Those Tome of Beast and Creature Codex, man, Kabul mm -hmm. Press has done a phenomenal job. If you just on your shelf have the D&D Monster Manual and Vola's Guide, like you're missing two great, huge collections of monsters in your collection. Definitely. So, Mitch, what was your favorite monster to run? My favorite monster that I got to run... So, a little bit of backstory for these next two questions. The current campaign that I'm doing is... I've entitled it Tiny Heroes Grand Adventures. And so all the players, we have a player who's a pixie, a sprite, a little mouseling, and a squirrel folk. So they are all like these tiny little creatures. And we're role-playing this adventure in this big forest where every turn can be this bigger monster. And by monster, I mean a fox or a possum or something along those lines that is just so dangerous and so terrifying to these little PCs. And so we went through this one adventure where they found a hag's cave and a hag to them is like Godzilla. So to fight a hag, they're only like level two. They're not fighting a hag and surviving. So the hag fell asleep, but the hag had captured one of their friends And they had, this hag had, like, this defense alarm that would, like, 
any intruders would have to attack, be attacked by these creatures. And these creatures were little, if you've seen straw dolls, like dolls completely made out of straw. And so I had these straw dolls attack this group of players and having these straw dolls towering over them and using like sewing needles that were shoved up into their arms to make them like Wolverine-esque or one of them was carrying a ball of yarn to use as a giant mace. Just phenomenal and fun. This It's been a great campaign to take little things that you would never think is scary in a D&D campaign, but for these creatures who are way smaller than everything else, taking these straw dolls and making them into golem-esque creatures was super fun. That is, that is amazing. Also, if you haven't, and if anyone hasn't, you should check out Scurry, which is a webcomic that's done really well, kind of about mice, and mm. then I think you could get a lot for your campaign. Players, don't listen to this. <laughs> and um, Mouse Guard as Mitch. well. Can't go wrong with Mouse yes. Guard, which we've, we've totally True. talked about on episodes before. Okay. Number 10. So what was your favorite NPC that you got to run in 2018? And we'll stick with you, Mitch. What do you got? One of the main adversaries of the players that are in my campaign are Weaselkin. They are ogre-like in size if we're comparing it to a regular game of D&D. And they are just evil, evil creatures. So there's this one Weaselkin general that I got to roleplay as. And he had captured one of the PCs because uh, they were sent to spy on their base and crit one on a stealth check, got captured, didn't get to run away in time. And so the other PCs had to plan a rescue mission to free this uh, one of these PCs. And when they got there, the general, this, this NPC Weaselkin, had this weird armor on that was actually he strapped the PC that had been captured onto his chest. So it was a squirrel folk strapped onto the chest of this weaselkin general that they now had to fight. Uh, And it was just super fun (laughs) to have this scene where the squirrel folk is in a cage and sees this weird apparatus on this NPC coming towards him. And then all of a sudden he's on the chest going into battle. And it was a super fun time. Have it like once again, went to a crazy battle, but they uh, they definitely walked away with a new appreciation of how the Weaselkin are going to treat them. That's, wow. That's terrifying. <laughs> We're playing this Never. tiny tiny campaign with super cute creatures, but there have been some terrifying moments in it. That's for sure. Oh man, yeah. How can I take a baby Bjorn and make it scary? Oh, <laughs> all right, Celeste, your favorite NPC of 2018. These are always tricky because there are so many NPCs Hmm. that come up over a good story. But I think just my general favorite NPCs to run are like ornery bureaucratic NPCs. (laughs) Because there's just nothing funnier when you're like this epic adventuring party, right? And you're saving the world and you're fighting dragons. And then you get to a situation where you run into a secretary who just won't let you go see yes. the devil because they're just having a bad day or their lunch <laughs> is wrong or whatever. So my, I mean, my recall in our origin story we did, they were basically the Venture Maidens were trying to enter into this tournament and there was just this real sarcastic like gnome cleric who just wanted to give them <laughs> what's what. And they were just shocked by like how rude 
and <laughs> and how much this this secretary just didn't want to help them. Uh, and they, they still talk about that as like the secret villain of the campaign. Uh, <laughs> this guy who's squeezing his little stress ball and talking to them. Um, oh, <laughs> never so even good. got a name, but but that's a standout in my mind. That's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> this year. <laughs> that's awesome. So for me, I... Going back and forth, but the one that I'll say is that I kind of had, there was like a lawful evil group of knights in the town that's kind of the base of operations for my home game. It kind of just set up a way over time that there was like a re, like a resistance movement and the players kind of wanted to push behind that and this, that, and the other and that opportunity had presented itself. And so I was kind of playing up this hell knight and... You know, and as this very evil person just really calling him out and like all these big things and they murdered that poor soul in one <laughs> round <laughs> intentionally like they had I, I mean credit where credit is due they had set things up very intentionally of how they would kind of ambush them and just kind of we have a minotaur in the group and basically I think three people had cast like some of their bigger spells so it was some awful thing of like their plus for attack, their plus for damage was over like 20 at that point because they had enlarged them and all these things. And yeah, about one round later, the Hell Knight just crumpled. It's <laughs> like, well, okay. That, I mean, it was just fun to have this NPC just like all this bluster and nothing behind it when it came to it. <laughs> so yeah, that was my favorite. The second favorite is also turning Tic Tac the Kobold into Risei, the true shadow dragon, and that dark, dark turn of <laughs> now you're going to kill a god and I'm going uh, to take its powers. That was also a magical moment. Okay. Yep. So that takes us to number 11. What was your favorite dungeon experience of 2018? Celeste. Uh, okay, so I'll start off. Um, this was actually my favorite this year. It was one of those stream nights where you know where schedules just didn't work out, so we couldn't do a normal episode. So I decided, and it, uh, Mad Mage had just come out uh, from Wizards of the Coast Dungeons of the Mad Mage, and I'm just flipping through this book and like looking at all these cool like random levels. So I'm like, all right, we'll just pull out one of these and we'll do it for one shot. Got some you know people on the stream, cool. Uh, and it just was so much fun it was such a classic we ran the willowwood level mm -hmm. and it was such a classic dungeon and like we fought a dragon unicorn showed up <laughs> like it was just so much like just classic fun that was so unexpected uh so running that dungeon was an absolute just delight and the players from that game still are like that was one of the best one shots we've ever done like oh it's so good yeah so that's such a good feeling so i highly recommend yeah taking a look at uh the new mad mage book uh if you haven't from wizards of the mm -hmm. coast there's some really fun just classic classic adventures in there Mitch, what do you got? So I took my players through a dungeon crawl through a dwarven mine that had been abandoned for hundreds of years. What they didn't know in going into this dwarven mine is that it had been re-inhabited by a bunch of goblins that had uh, kind of joined this yeti group. Uh, and so they were goblins with yeti brutes along with them. And so there's this one uh, scene where they had gotten onto this trolley that was basically taking them through this underground, under the mountain system from mountain to mountain. And they reached the end of the trolley line. And as soon as they rolled up to the station, 
goblins and yetis were there waiting. And so immediately they were like, go back, go back, turn the lever, back, back, back. <laughs> and what ended up happening was there was this amazing fight we had because goblins and yetis jumped on the trolley and we had this amazing fight with this trolley going at high oh. speed, yetis like yes. climbing on the roof of this trolley, goblins jumping inside and they're fighting on this trolley throwing these yetis off, having to climb up to the roof to attack the yeti that was up there. It was just this super fun dungeon experience because of the dangers that were hidden inside <laughs> of this dungeon that they did not know of. Yes. Oh, it's so good. Oh, okay. So I've mentioned it before, but I used the plot twist cards from Pathfinder and it quickly devolved into a way that the players mess with each other above table, basically. Um, so it's an inherent assumption that that's what they do because I make them all tell me what they want, like whisper it to me because, it, you know, yeah, that's just the way I do it. So one player gets up and walks over and whispers to me, but they just wanted to know more about the scene that they were walking into, which was a great idea because it was going to be an ambush. Another player just assumed that they were going after them. So they got up and then used their cards to go after the first player. So player one saw that it was an ambush, but then it escalated. And I used a barbed devil to then like escalate things because of what player two had chosen to do. And I don't know that I've done it in a while, used a devil that has a percentage chance to summon another one. So I said, player one, please roll me a percentile. Put it in their hands. It's their fault then. Yep. And I'm like, yep. Yep. And he's like, 34. I was like, okay, just to check, what did you get? He's a 34. And barbed devils have a 35% (laughs) chance to summon an additional barbed devil. So they did. And it got... Very hairy, very, very fast. Um, I, I, for, I forget how many people went down, but nobody died. So good on them. <laughs> but yeah, using that terrifyingly low percentage chance and it working out that now there are two barbed devils <laughs> was amazing. Can you repeat that for me? What did you roll? <laughs> Not yeah. something just, a player wants wanna, to hear. <laughs> nope. Yeah, I just want to check in. Okay, 34. Good. Um, good. Oh, here good. we go. Good. <laughs> Yes. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay, so to round it out, we have question number 12. What are you looking forward to most in 2019 for the Block Party Podcast Network? I'll start with Mitch. What do you got? So one of the things with running the podcast with Neil and with Celeste is that we know the guests that are going to be coming on before, obviously, the listeners. And all I got to say is we've got some awesome guests lined up i'm very excited to have them come on the show some will be returning guests and i'm excited for all the topics that we're going to be talking about beyond just that obvious fact i'm also excited to start recording for season three of geek wars and possibly release it in next year that would be the goal so i like it i think I'll leave Celeste for last. That makes sense, right? Uh, No, I lied. Celeste, your turn. (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, what I'm looking forward to, I mean, I'm I'm the new kid on the block. Look at that. Um, So... So I'm I'm new here. Obviously, I've I've only been in a few episodes so far. Um, but I'm just loving my time here. So I am just looking forward to getting to make more awesome content with you folks and co-working on projects and just bringing on these great guests. And it's just really exciting for me to be here. So I'm excited 
for literally everything that's going to happen. Uh, I'm excited for a whole year of this and being part of this crew and team. Yes. That's what I'm looking forward to. Oh, all the fields because that's, yeah, that's what that was. One of the things I wrote down was working with Celeste, I think, because bringing, well, I mean, bringing you on just allows, has allowed already allowed us to do more and think bigger. Mm -hmm. And I think that's um, one of the more exciting things is like, there's some projects that Mitch and I had talked about and getting you to come on and the experience with projects similar to it. Ha ha. We're telling you nothing (laughs) while telling you something and yeah, secrets and just like the experience that you already have and bring to the table. Also, I really excited to try and let's be honest, be better at Patreon and figuring that out and getting you guys more awesome content through that. Yes, sir. And that's all I got. That's yeah. 12 questions and we answered we them again. all. And with those 12 questions answered, I just want to thank each and every one of you from each and every one of us here at the block party podcast network for tuning in and listening to us. And if you want to ever get a hold of us as you know you can always head over and email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com and if you see fit you can always head to itunes and leave us a five-star review which we'll read on the air you can always head over to twitter and follow us at dms underscore block or you can follow us on facebook where you can watch all the other stuff that we post and as always the dungeon masters block is a proud member of the block party podcast network where you can check out other shows like geek wars Detentions and Dragons, and Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, and more. As always, just want to thank you for listening to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all of the other people at the table. I'm DM Neil. Good night, good luck, and keep on Dungeon Mastering. Goodbye.